My brother-in-law loves, he's one of these people. He loves to watch all the stuff about, on, news clips on YouTube about what's happening. Y'all, y'all know them peoples, right? Yeah. He loves to do that. And yesterday morning when I got up, he was watching several and there was one YouTube channel called The Truth. And then there was another YouTube channel, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was saying the exact opposite of what the other YouTube channel was saying. Truth. Opposite is true. No. Couldn't figure all that out. So I just was debating that in my brain yesterday about truth. And we're all the time given our own idea of what truth is. And so this morning when I got, I actually got the call a little earlier than brother. I, I saw my text message at 738. <laughs> yeah, baby, turn my phone on then. Anyway, so I, I saw it. I said, well, I, you know, I got 30 years of, of work in the ministry. I can probably find something. And as I'm going through, uh, my, my flash drive, I saw one that says, what is truth? Yesterday I was thinking through it. Today I have to preach. Okay, works for me, you know, so I just opened that one up and started looking through it, updated it a little bit this morning. But um, I want to introduce this to you by trying to understand a little bit about truth. Now, please get this. This will be a little more cerebral than you're used to from me because you're used to me just being dumb. So that's okay. Um, however, I wanted us to understand in context of what is going on today in this country, truth is more important than it ever was. Uh, that wasn't loud enough. Truth is more important than it ever was. Thank you, because you got to halfway believe that. All right, uh, we're at the point where we don't really know what truth is. Some people and everybody's got their own version of truth, right? I'm reminded of the song by the group Truth, fitting, right? It says, "What if we fall into the bottom of the well when we should have been reaching to the top of the mountain?" What if we're knocking at the gates of hell when we should have been heaven bound? What if we spend our life thinking of ourselves when we should have been thinking of each other? What if we reach up and touch the ground to find we're living life upside down? And I really believe that in our country we've reached the point where we're living life upside down. We've got so much backward, so much untruth that has permeated our thinking and when it permeates our thinking it becomes our belief and when it becomes our belief it becomes our actions okay so if you get upset with me today because i'm not woke enough for you get over it okay because i promise you i'll take a half of half a baby aspirin and sleep like a baby tonight okay not because i'm wanting to be mean ugly or indifferent but i'm wanting us to understand that there is an undeniable set of truths In God's word that we, no matter what we think culturally, it's still true. And again, I'm going to say that again. What you, your truth becomes what you think. What you think becomes what you believe and what you believe determines what you do. So if you wonder why everybody's doing so much wrong, it's because they're believing wrong. Quite simple. Okay. Culture. The culture today is complete and total relativism. Now, for those of you who don't know what relativism is, let me back up and first tell you, I, I and several of my friends who were pastors have been warning about becoming relativistic truth in this country for decades. Okay, relativism means that it's all the same. Truth is all the same. What's true for you may not be true for me. Okay, what's true for me may not be true for you. Well, that doesn't work very well, okay? Because it's either true or it's false. And we're going to get into some logic in a minute and talk about that. Truth has been relegated to our feelings in our culture. And I even thought, yes, you're right. Write the date down right now. I'm about to knock Star Wars. Um, You know, I'm a Star Wars nut. But uh, if you'll remember, in Star Wars, Ben looks at at uh, Luke and says, search your feelings. You know, or, or still not Ben, uh, Darth Vader, search your feelings. You know it to be true. What does your feelings have to do with truth? Sometimes I don't feel something's true, but it doesn't change it. 
The other morning when I had to get up at 4.30, I didn't feel it was 4.30 as I slammed my hand against the alarm clock. Okay? But did it change the truth that it was 4.30? No. Feelings do not determine truth. But that's what our culture says. How do you feel about a certain thing? How do you feel about police brutality? How do you feel about all this? Is 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 that that makes it your truth? No, it doesn't. You know, I mean, you can wake up with heartburn. That doesn't mean the world's coming to an end. It just means you ate something you shouldn't have eaten. Our culture says that people base truth slowly solely on their perspective. Where they're coming from. I just read recently a sign, that, or a, a meme, I guess you call it nowadays. Is that right, guys? Is it a meme? I, I don't know. I'm old. <laughs> got a guy's picture and got something on the side, right? And, he's, and he says this. He says, every Christian bookstore should have a sign. The views expressed in these books are not necessarily expressed the views of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you taken any time in the last five years to look at some of the books that have become number one best sellers? In the Christian community. Your best life now. Buddy, my best life is, is a ways off. When I go be with Jesus. All right. My best life has nothing to do with what I have. At my house. My best life has nothing to do with me telling Jesus and him being obligated to do what I ask him to say to do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's Joe Osteen's book, and that's what he says. All right. How many of you remember the shack? Somebody's going to get mad with me today. That book is 100% utter heresy. Jesus is, excuse me, God is not an old Black woman living in a shack. And did you ever bother to look at the Christians that endorsed that book? Blew my mind. Stephen Curtis Chapman endorsed that book. I love Stephen Curtis Chapman's music. Why in the world would you endorse that trash? Why? Because it's about your perspective now. It's not about what the book says. It's about perspective. Bless your heart. Mm. Our culture is a mess. Social climate. We've moved from postmodernism to post-Christian. I don't know if y'all know that. That's being put out there that we're no longer in a postmodern period as far as thinking is concerned. We're in the post-Christian period. In other words, Christian thought is gone and now we're moving into other thought. We are being relegated to dinosaur status. But worse yet, the Bible's being relegated to dinosaur status. We're standing on God's word has been, is being considered archaic, archaic, excuse me, foolish and even offensive. Young man, can't remember his name. I feel terrible. I don't follow basketball, so that's probably why I can't remember his name. But the young man that stood at the NBA game and said, I bow for no other person than Jesus. He was considered offensive. Well, last I looked in the book, it says, have no other gods before me. And ladies and gentlemen, I have been preaching this. You can ask that lady right there. She'll tell you. Both them ladies right there can tell you. I have been preaching this forever. I want believers to start thinking. Don't just come here and find out what the preacher said to you. Don't just come here and see what the preacher thinks. I will tell you this right now today. If you hear me say something today that doesn't make sense to you or doesn't seem to follow God's word, Come see me and let's talk about it. Because I am not right 100% of the time. 99.9, but not 100%. Okay? So I need 
Iron sharpens iron. And if you know anything about that, when you're raking a knife onto, a, onto something to sharpen it, you're actually not smoothing it out. You're actually making the ends a little bit frayed. So they cut better. We need each other. And you should think. You shouldn't be afraid just because I had the, the reverend, it shouldn't say rear end, in front of my name, just because that's up there does not mean that I have everything right 100% of the time. I'll just tell you, when I was youth minister, 10 years old, brother bless you, in Jesus' name. Um, uh, when I was youth minister and I got a chance to preach here and there, I am so glad there was no recording devices. Because some of it was just flat wrong. Now, I said I got it out of the Bible, but I did. I got it out of my own brain looking at the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't think it through. You follow what I'm saying? God gave you a brain for a reason other than just how to wash your face. He gave you a brain to think through what he has said to you. Okay? He wants you to think, not just, oh, don't do this to me. That was just time out. Oh, my Lord. We was fixing to have a big problem. No notes. Nothing like that. Nope, that's not going to work. Hold on. Just give me a second. This thing don't like me. I don't like it, but it's okay. Ah, there it is. Okay. So our social climate has gotten to the point where things are just falling apart. People protesting. Shorter word works better. But anyway, protesting. Protesting over what? Over what? There's nothing to protest over. But you know what? Because you have a Christian view, you're offensive. Now, we knew this was going to happen, didn't we? Didn't the book tell us this was going to happen? They're going to hate you because they hated me, right? Jesus said that. So we knew it was going to happen. I just didn't think it was going to happen like this in my lifetime. Y'all might have had the foresight. I did not. Okay? I thought, surely the Christians are going to stand up and win this fight. Christians sat down instead. No offense to anybody in here, but we don't mind. We don't mind standing up and being and being out there for our worship, but we certainly don't do a lot of study of our theology and engage people that way. Right. right. I said it, I might as well go on and say the rest of it. How many people, when you say, where do you go to church? And they tell you. Oh, how is it there? Oh, we got the best worship in the world. It's so awesome. It's so ardent. It's so great. And we got a great preacher too, great pastor. But that's where they leave it. They don't tell you, I learn something new and good every week. They don't tell you I am challenged every week to rethink my way of thinking. They don't tell you those things. Why? Because we don't want that. Guilty, by the way. There's there's times I don't want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? You say, but Mike, yeah, it was your business for 30 years. Uh-uh. By the way, if you ever want to do something that'll really roast your rheostat, some of you know what that is. If you if you want to do something roast your rheostat, go ahead and uh, try to write a book. It'll floor you, brother. I'm bringing you one. By the way, it's on youth ministry. I'm gonna bring you one. Okay, that makes you realize how little you've thought. When you know other people are gonna read it, suddenly you go, well, I haven't thought through that a whole lot. I need to stop and go back. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, just Anyway, our social climate is standing on God's word is just out there. It's just weird to people. So we got the culture, the social climate, and the absolute absence of truth. Fakima said this, within the current state of affairs in America, everyone claims to know the truth. Is that true or false? Everyone claims to know the truth. In fact, everyone claims to have a monopoly on it. Yeah? All right. Problem is, the truths don't agree. And logic does not allow for that. So I'm going to give this to you real quick. Okay? 
Y'all about to get, how many of you ever studied any logic? A little bit, right? Most of it's within math, correct? You study it within math. Well, if you've never done a logic study, you need to do a logic study. And I'm about to give you the first little tidbit. Okay? Law of logic. You cannot have A and not A at the same time. Now, what does that mean? You cannot have A and not A at the same time. You can't have Mike Troxell standing and preaching you this morning and Mike and not have Mike Troxell standing and preaching you this morning. Makes sense, doesn't it? Right? Well, you can't have one thing be an absolute truth and then the opposite be an absolute truth as well. One of them is a lie. Okay? So when we're watching all this mess on TV, which my wife and I are trying really hard not to do anymore, when we're watching all, thank you, Jesus. Listen to Jesus, not that bad. So when you're, you're watching all this stuff on TV, and one side, well, this is true. The other side says, well, you're a liar. Well, I have facts. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, you go back and forth about what's true, what's not true, what's true, what's not true, and then suddenly you don't know what, what either one of them was saying. Because you cannot have truth and not truth about the same thing exist at the same time. One's either true, and the other false, or that one's true, and the other one is false. So, hopefully that's a good introduction as to what got me to do this today. Okay? Hopefully. So I ask the question then, ladies and gentlemen, what exactly is truth? That's the real question. Right? So I would invite you to turn with me. You turn, I'll scroll. To... John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Should be a rather familiar passage. It's Jesus being tried in Pilate's court. John chapter 18. And we're going to begin with, let's just back up a little bit just because I want to give you a little bit of context. Let's, uh, let's start with 28. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus with Caiaphas to the praetorium. And it was early, it was early morning, but they themselves did not go to the praetorium lest they should be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, this is verse 30. They answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would have not delivered him up to you. And Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? And Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Hmm. Hmm. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? This is not a new thing, ladies and gentlemen. Been going around a long time. And when he, when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and says, I find no fault in him. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. 
Now, Barabbas was a robber. We're going to stop there. We're going to go on into verse 4 of chapter 19, but we're going to stop there for now just so we make sure we set it up properly. Now, everyone who is a believer needs to ask the question, what is truth? You need to ask the question. Some are afraid to ask, and that makes them theologically dishonest. Listen, I want to tell you why I say that. This. If you are afraid to take any question to the word of God, you're lying to yourself that the answer's there. Now, you may not like the answer, but it's there. You understand what I'm saying? And anybody in this room, I would call call you on it if you say you like every answer you ever found in the Word of God. Because I found one that almost at least twice a week gets on me. Be angry and sin not. Huh? How many of you want to be angry sometime? Right? Justified in being angry at whoever. So you need to ask the question or be theologically dishonest. There are some who just refuse to ask. I'm, I'm just not going to worry. And that makes you intellectually dishonest. Engage your brain. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, very, very interesting passage. It says in verse 15, chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Now, I got a question for you. How can you be ready to give a defense if you don't take your uncertainty to the word of God? If you don't take your questions to the word of God. How can you possibly make yourself ready if you have questions unanswered yourself? I'm waiting for an answer. You can't. All right, you got to go to the word. And when you get to the word, you study. And if you don't get an answer, guess what you do? You study some more. And if you still don't get an answer, what do you do? You study some more. You go find godly people. By the way, this is free. This was not intended for today, but this is free. You go find godly people who study the word and ask them, and they will need to show you in the word. Don't just go to them and say, well, what do you think? Because I really don't want to know what you think. I want to know what the book says. So you go to the book, and if they, and if they're godly people who do study the book, they can take you to some place in the book. They may be like me. I can't remember verses and call signs and all that very well, but I do have technology that I can look up the phrase. You understand what I'm saying? So go to people who are going to give you advice based on scripture, not advice just based on how they feel for the day. Because I often feel bad and probably shouldn't give advice certain days. Um, I'm being very confessional today. So you have to ask the questions, what is true, what is not true? And I've got four things for you that truth must be before we dig totally into John 18. First, truth must be absolute. Must be absolute. The dictionary says truth is the conformity to fact or actuality. A statement proven to be or accepted as true. That's the dictionary. I don't care if it's accepted or not. It's got to be absolute. It's true or it's not true. The culture doesn't dictate truth. The gospel dictates truth. That wasn't mine, but you understand? The culture doesn't dictate truth. The gospel dictates truth. The truth must be absolute. It must be knowable. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall... See, I do this for on purpose. It's make you free. It doesn't set you free. It makes you free. 
You see, why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Because he's not, A, talking about non-believers. You're set free when you get Jesus because you were in bondage to your sin. But this makes you free. It allows you to think properly. It allows you to act properly. It allows you to be what God's called you to be as a believer. So it makes you free. Must be knowable. One of the problems in the social justice movement is something that has been coined the phrase ethnic Gnosticism. If you don't know what Gnosticism is, it's a first century heresy that says there were certain believers who had a knowledge that other people didn't have. They had a special word from God. Mitch, how many times you heard that? I got a special word from God about that. Ain't in the book, but they got it anyway, right? Well, Gnosticism, that's what it was. It was this idea that certain people had this knowledge that other people couldn't have. And in the social justice movement, they believe that if you are not part of a minority, you cannot have a certain knowledge that they have. Truth. Look it up. Read their stuff. You don't know what you don't know. In fact, they've even coined a phrase. You got to be woke. You're asleep and you don't know. Well, honey, I know the truth I've got. And it didn't start with me or with what I didn't know. It came from Jesus. So you got to know truth. It is knowable. Truth is knowable. If it's not knowable, then why did God say for us to know it? I don't know. It's understandable. There's a lot in the Bible I don't understand totally. But if I keep digging, I eventually will. It is understandable. Truth is for God loves wisdom. It says in Proverbs, for God loves wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It says with all thy getting, get knowledge. But also get understanding. We have to get understanding. So it's absolute, it's knowable, it's understandable. And finally, and this is, I've said a hundred times, it's scriptural. All truth comes from God's word. All truth is God's truth. Well, I heard Confucius say something one time that was true. He stole it from God. People do that all the time. People do that all the time. They steal a little bit from God. Right? And in fact, one of my favorite movies um, for years has been, uh, I just lost it. Uh, 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 you know, the, the, the one about where all the guys are lancing at each other. You know what I'm talking about? Night's Tale. That's it. And it, at, there's one part that I never knew. I didn't know until I looked it up. He leans over one of them and says, you have been weighed. You have been measured. And you have been found wanting. Did you know that's straight out of Scripture? They steal God's truth all the time and make out like it's theirs. Right? We got to know where the truth comes from and it comes from scripture. Period. End of discussion. And if you got a problem with that, if you say, well, some of that doesn't sound okay, the problem is not with scripture, it's with you. Ouch. Like, like me and Philip's fellow says, if you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. So looking back at chapter 18 of John. Here's the deal. Pilate asks a good question. In verse 37, he says, verse 37, he says, are you the king then? Are you a king then? Jesus says, you rightly say that I'm the king. Why? Because I was born for this. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus clearly says, this is my purpose. I came to be king of kings and lord of lords. It's all good. Just the devil. And whoever was calling you. All right. Anyway. Jesus made a clear distinction. He says, if you don't hear my voice, you don't know me. Says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. 
You are not of truth if you don't hear his voice. Now, does that mean every moment of every hour of every day? How many of you heard from Jesus when the alarm clock went off this morning? Hmm? How many of you heard from Jesus when you burnt the dinner? Hmm. You know, how many of you heard from Jesus when your spouse said something ugly to you? Hmm. Right. We don't always hear Jesus's voice when we ought to. But those who are of the truth, who are constantly in the truth, will hear his voice. That's what that's saying. So Jesus makes this amazing declaration about his. The conduit of truth is him through the scripture. Okay. Thirty eight. Pilate, he asked a question, a loaded question. What is truth? And you notice, though, um, he doesn't hang out for the answer. Y'all see that? Now you say, well, it might not be in there. It might not just be recorded. I think it would have been recorded if it was there, if he had done it. He says, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out. To the, again to the Jews. He left. So, those of you who are in the drama, it was something like this. What is truth? And walked away. Now, by asking the question, though, he actually made us some, some good statements. First of all, he's saying, I don't know the truth. Right? If you ask that question, you admit, I don't know the truth. Then he said, the other statement he would have made was, I cannot know the truth. That's what he believed because he walked away. Can't really know the truth. But the big statement he made was, and I'm not submitting to the truth. The king of the universe just told him who he was. And he said, He did not submit to the truth. He walked away. Let's look at it. Let's go ahead and continue reading here. Did Pilate ever tell the truth? Hmm. Well, he did say, he did say, I find no fault in this man. Is that true? Yeah. There was no fault in Jesus. Correct? No fault in Jesus. Good. Thank you for saying that, brother. I needed something out here. I'm thinking, beginning to think that they're going, why and Philip here? Wilson, what was that emergency goalie's name? David Ayers. I'm just pulling the David Ayers emergency goalie here today. All right? So y'all just have to, well, hallelujah. Anyway, he told the truth, but he ignored the truth. Is that not normal today? I'm going to tell you a fact, but that fact is not going to affect how I live. That fact is not going to affect how I live. So you can tell the truth. You're able to speak it, but then ignore it. So let's get to the question then. What actually is truth? That's Right, right. Let's just let's just figure it out real quick. First of all, to the Christian, we've said it's knowable, definable and constant and it is Christ centered. That's to the Christian. However, to the world that we live in, it is relative, describable, but not knowable and changing. It is man centered, anthropocentric. Christ is not the middle of it. Man is the middle of it. And that's why we don't like reading the scripture and saying, oh, there it is. That's that's the truth, because it don't center around us. We are in a world today that doesn't matter what you believe. If it's not centered, it's not centered around me, then it's wrong. Well, and and I have a friend, I'm not going to give you names or anything like that, but his daughter has decided she's his son. Weird times. Right. And his wife got on Facebook and asked for prayer for what she called her son and gave gave us all the new name. 
and said, if you're not willing to pray for him by his name, his new name, then I don't want your prayers. In other words, in other words, your truth that that's a sin against God is not my truth because that's Christ-centered believing. My truth is centered around me and my family and what I want, regardless of whether it goes against the Scripture or not. And here you go. She claims to be a believer. Now, she might be, not judging her heart, but she got to do some work. You understand what I mean? She got some work to do. And by the way, I'm not just talking about her. We've been friends for 30 years. 30 years. And since she, I called him, let him know, I'm blocking you like you ask, and I'm not, and I'm praying for your daughter. Because that truth is not my truth. Man, when we look at man and the truth about man, boy, do we get a bunch of stuff here in this world today. To the Christian, man is utterly depraved. And in need of a savior. And if you can't say amen to that, ouch ain't gonna help. Man is lost and gonna die and bust hell wide slap open without Christ. He is of no hope. And again, if that bothers you, hmm, maybe you ought to think. To the Christian, man is lost without God and in deepest need of grace. Jesus is the ultimate answer to any question we have to the Christian. Secular society says man is basically good. He's basically a good boy. Basically a good boy. I uh, have had the privilege slash difficulty of visiting a lot of people in the hospital in their dying moments. I have discovered that men die the way they live most of the time. I went to one. I got called. I'd been his pastor years before and got called and said, can you come to the hospital? I'm dying. Yes, I can come to the hospital. I jumped there. By the time I got there, he was sort of in and out. He had liver cancer. They'd removed most of his liver. And doctor said, just as a matter of when it's going to happen. And his wife looked at me and said, the last thing he told me was when you get here, he wants you to pray for him to just go ahead and die and be with Jesus. Because that's what his hope is. Now, the first thing that pierced my mind, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Right? But I'm, I, I was taken aback. This woman wanted me to pray for God to go ahead and take her husband. And he loved God so much and he had suffered so much. He was ready to go. So I, I said, well, you know, God's going to take him when God takes him. But if that's what you want me to pray, I'll pray that. And I said, Jesus, you know, my brother's sick. You know my brother's hurting. And if you're done with him, go ahead and take him to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I said amen, God is my witness. He took his last breath. I hope nobody ever asked me that again. Don't be calling me. Uh-uh. And then I went into another one where the guy was just a member of the church, and I had never met him. He was just a member, and I had gone see him a couple of times in the nursing home. And now he's in the hospital, and he was going to die. And his family asked me to come in to talk to him about Jesus, to ask him if he wanted to be saved. So I talked to him about Jesus, and he was lucid enough to understand me. And the last thing he said before he died was to cuss God. 
listen to me. Men and women die the way they live. Period. And if you don't understand the truth, you are going to die in your sin. Man is basically good. Uh Uh-uh. Man is basically bad. And sin is sin. Period. But that's a truth that the secular world won't get into. I was considering where do all these young kids, and I'm not knocking any young people in here because y'all pretty much get it. (laughs) I have had some young kids around me lately that have said some strange things and have some strange beliefs. And you listen to them on the TV and you're going, what? You know, Christian educator Mark Fakima said, secular instruction is a blunt denial of the certainty and centrality of God. It is the image disowning the original. Not only has the creator been banished from his creation, but God has been dethroned and man has been enthroned. You want to know why we have all the problems today? It's because those people who are out there doing these terrible things believe that rather than the truth. They believe man is blessed forever, amen, not God the Creator is blessed forever, amen. They have tossed God aside. And we can get into all kinds of reasons. We don't have time for that today. But they've tossed God aside. They are their own gods. They are their own judge of truth. They are their own Best friends. The government in most colleges would have you believe education is the answer to all problems. If we just let people arrive at their own truth with sufficient education, all will be well. Do you know how many people are imprisoned for doing horrendous things that have a master's degree or above? There's some really smart people. Right? I have a bachelor's and two masters. You know what that does? That and 250 gets me a cup of coffee at the Waffle House. It means nothing. If I don't know the truth of the Word of God, all that education does me nothing. Are you following? Basically, what we've become is educated thieves. Educated rioters. Right? By the way, I'm going to throw this in. This is free. The Constitution is not our source. The Constitution is not, I'll repeat it, our source of truth. I'm going to do this to the end, but I'm going to go ahead and do this now. I was wanting to print this out. Printer wouldn't work. You know how that works. Okay. From the preamble of the United States Constitution, we the people was cited as coming from Exodus 24-3 and Samuel 8, 10-18. This is from the minutes of the Constitution. Constitutional Convention, by the way. In order to form a more perfect union comes from Genesis chapter 2, 24. Matthew 19, 6. Psalm 133, 1. Established justice comes from Psalm 82, 3. Proverbs 1, 3. Proverbs 21, 3. Ezekiel 45, 9. Acts 10, 34. Ensure domestic transit tranquility comes from Leviticus 26, 6. Promote the general welfare comes from 1 Chronicles 22-13, Joshua 1-8, Proverbs 31-20. Provide for the common defense comes from Hebrews 11-32-34, Luke 14-31-32. Secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity comes from uh, Genesis 45-7, Daniel 2-44-45, Galatians 5-1. And that's just the preamble. That's just the preamble. 191 biblical references in our Constitution. 
The Constitution is not our source of any right or liberty. God is. And the Bible is. And those forefathers had the good sense to write down a Constitution based on those principles. So anybody wants to tell you that, you know, yeah, do I stand on the Constitution? Absolutely. I'm a constitutionalist. I am. But that ain't where it comes from. That's just the expression of it. That was free. Don't you don't don't go away from me yet. I'm having to do too much of this scrolling thing. So Pilate told the truth. Pilate ignored the truth, and that's what we're doing in our society today. Now, real quick, would you say? that we are getting pretty close to the idea where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay? Please do not raise your hand or speak out loud from what I'm about to ask you. Is your definition of vision some kind of thing where it's looking toward the future and looking toward getting things done? Don't answer it out loud. Don't raise your hand. Is your definition of the people perish means they're all gonna, we're all gonna die. Or a bunch of people are gonna die. Well, let me give you a quick Hebrew lesson. If you directly translate that word from Proverbs 29 through 18, those words, it says, where there is no proclamation of the word of God, the people run amok. Where there is no proclamation of the word of God, the people run amok. One of the biggest problems we have in America is that the pulpits have not been proclaiming the word of God. That's been one of the problems. We've been preaching what we want to tell people or what we want people to hear. The Southern Baptists for years fought a war over fighting with the sufficiency of Scripture. And I thought in the 80s when that happened, I mean, literally, with death threats, everything. When, when I thought, okay, we have established that the Bible is the word of God and we're to preach directly from the Bible, I thought that was it. We've won. Guess what? Consider the people who call themselves Southern Baptists now. Stephen Furtick calls himself a Southern Baptist. And if he were standing here, I've known him. He was in a youth group of mine. So there you go. I, could, I would tell him straight up, you're a heretic, buddy. We are listening to people who no longer get the word of God, study the word of God, and expose the word of God. And it's been our fault is one of the reasons we're where we are. And because we would say where there is no proclamation of the word of God, the people perish, we have arrived at Judges chapter 17, verse 6. It's the last line. There was no king in Israel. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. What's happening in our country? Every man is doing what's right in his own eyes. I don't mean to bring you down. I don't mean, Mike, what would you be so encouraging? Because encouragement time is over. It's called to arms now. It's called for the man and woman of God to stand up and say, enough. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be offensive. But you can stand up like the gentleman in the NBA. You can say, no, I'm not believing that. Well, if you just would read so-and-so. No, I read the author of the universe. I don't need to read so-and-so. You're just saying that because your pastor says, no, actually, I've actually studied this. Thank you. So how do we avoid this downward spiral? How do we get out of this? First of all, you answer the question, what is truth? I've given you a few things today that you can answer with. But you need to be able to answer that question, what is truth? I'm not going to give you the simple, because if I give you the simple, here's what you're going to do. If I give you the simple answer, you're going to memorize it and learn and, and just spout it back to somebody. And then they're going to do what? They're going to ask another question you can't answer. Remember, he who asks the questions controls the conversation. That's why Mormons don't come to my house no more. 
Am I lying? They'll walk straight past my house. Jehovah's Witnesses too. You know why? Because I ask them questions they can't answer about their own religion. He who asks the questions controls the conversation. But if you don't know the answers to your own statements, you're in trouble. So don't memorize something. Study the word. Find out why and what truth is according to the word of God. And please don't give a half-hearted answer. Let, let, let me throw these at you because these just irritate me. Brother, can you tell they irritate me? They just irritate me. Why do you believe the Bible should? Because that's what my mama told me. No. Don't you? Maybe your mama did. God bless her for telling you that. But I think she probably wanted you to go ahead and learn it for yourself. Yes? You know, I could give you all kinds of answers why I believe the Bible. You know? It is the most historically accurate document in the history of mankind. Written over 2,000 years. 1,300 authors. In five different languages. Five different languages. All with continuity of theme and purpose. Can't say that about any other book. Study it. Know it. Understand why you believe it. So when they ask you, you are ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. That is not a, a, a suggestion. That's a command. Always be ready. When, why do you think I didn't flip out when Philip called me this morning? Because I'm ready to give a hope that's within me. Give a reason for the hope that's within me. God has to work on it a little bit for me. You know, he has to get my brain right. Because... That's a weird place to be, but true, true is true. So you answer the question and you be ready to give answers. And then you hold up the standard. And no, I'm not talking about like our brother down in Texas. I don't want to see you holding up the Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. No, do not do that. Know why the Bible is historically accurate. We could have a class if y'all want to on the historicity of the Bible. Why it is historically accurate. Do you understand that the closest, how many of you believe Homer wrote the Iliad? Those of you who are literaries. No? None of you? Well, bless my soul. The Iliad contains the Odyssey. Is that better for you? Uh, how many of you believe Homer wrote it? The nearest copy we have to the original is 1,000 years after it was written. But everybody believes Homer wrote it. We have pieces of the New Testament that are 125 years from the original copies. You see what I'm saying? We have a sure word. A word that is not false. But you got to know those things. You know, because they'll get to some place where they get tired of asking you questions. <laughs> and then you just go, OK, my turn. And then you only have to ask them one at that point. You know what it is? You come to the place in your life, you know, for certain you have eternal life. You go to heaven when you die. Know the standard. Hold up the standard. The Bible is truth. All so-called truth must be measured against the Bible. The Bible is not on trial. But as a, the songwriter said, if you want to call it a dinosaur, fine, I'll keep on dancing with the dinosaur. Accept no substitutes. Truth is not re relative. All teaching that is expressive of God's word is true. Teaching that is not expository of the word of God is not true. And that happens in the church. Somebody says something in the church doesn't sound real good. You wait patiently. You get with them one-on-one -on -one and say, brother, and you do like uh, Aquila and Priscilla did, take them and explain it better, right? Right? Explain it better. Because I don't know about y'all, but I need to explain it to you sometimes. Integrate the Bible into all disciplines and areas of your life. People must see the truth in every area of life. How do you conduct your business? How do you deal with that person that's the clerk that just gypped you out of $25? How do you deal with that guy at Best Buy who was supposed to mail something to your house and it didn't get there in seven days to go back and find out they never ordered it. 
Yeah, that happened to me. Thank you very much. How do you how do you deal with it? How do you deal with that person? How do you deal with that person that's flat out ugly to you? Because mama don't like ugly. And God don't like ugly. But how do you deal with it? If you know the truth, then you will use that truth to deal with those people. How do you deal with your spouse? Wait a minute. I forgot. They're more spiritual than us. They don't have intense fellowship like we do, do they? That's called an argument. Those of y'all wondering. How do you deal with your spouse after you've been stupid and said things you shouldn't have said? Ain't mo- it's not just, honey, I'm sorry. You forgive me. And guys, let's, let's step aside here for a minute. I'm going to give God's best advice I could ever give him. I was told the best answer to when your ma- wife is mad at you. Somebody gave me the world's greatest answer. And I actually repeated to my wife, don't do this. Do not say to your wife, you're right. I'm sorry. How could I have been so stupid? Can you ever find it in your heart to forgive me? If you do say it once, don't say it twice. But how do you deal with your wife when there's anger and tension and frustration in the home? How do you deal with your husband? How do you deal with your kids? What? Anyway. The purpose of Christian education, and and when I say education, I mean teaching, Christian teaching, is to achieve a living union between Christianity and teaching. It isn't hard to do. The Bible is sufficient. It's sufficient in every area it touches. And I know what you're sitting there thinking. You're going, Mike, how in the world does math fit into the Bible? There's a book of numbers. Hallelujah. But if that doesn't help you, do you know the first mention of pi? And right now it escapes me. I told you references are bad for me. It escapes me. But they talk about a circle. And if you use the numbers given in Scripture, I think it's in Kings, use the numbers given in Scripture for that circle, it comes out to pi. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Listen to this. I'm about done, so y'all don't get too antsy. If religious books are not widely circulated among the masses in this country, the people do not become religious. I do not know what will become of this nation. If truth is diffused, then error will be. If truth is diffused, not diffused, excuse me, then error will be. If God and his word are not known and received, the devil and his works will gain acceptance. If even if evangelical volume does not reach every hamlet, the pages of corrupt and licentious literature will. Think about the books in your house. If the power of the gospel is not felt through the length and breadth of this land, anarchy and misrule, degradation and misery, corruption and darkness will reign without mitigation or end. If we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our our country will go on prospering and to prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect the authority, excuse me, neglect its instructions and authority. No man can tell how sudden a catastrophe will overwhelm us and bury us all and all our glory into profound obscurity. Daniel Webster. That was centuries ago. He saw it. He knew that the word of God was essential. And those of us who are a little older, remember the days when the Bible was freely spoken about. We remember when most teachers had one on their desk. P.S. I'm a teacher, as you know, and I'm telling you, don't think that every teacher your child has is a believer anymore. Oh, don't don't even come close to believing that because they are not. I can count on my hand of all the teachers at our school, which is over 130 of them. I can count on my hand the ones I know for sure study and understand the word of God. And it wasn't any better at this green and gold school I was at either. All right. 
Sam Harris, an American author, philosopher, and neuroscientist, in his book, An Open Letter to the Christian Nation, wrote, God is an imaginary friend that people talk in order talk to in order to make themselves feel better. Have you seen him? What has he done for you lately? Where was he when the Twin Towers fell or when loving members of our community are killed in drive-bys? Ladies and gentlemen, I'll say it again. If you're asking how can a holy God, how can God allow terrible things to happen to good people, you are asking the wrong question. The question you should ask is how can a holy God who demands holiness look and know what you did yesterday and not kill you last night in your sleep? Some of you are like, well, that's pretty harsh. That's the truth. The soul that sins, it shall die. God has every right at any moment to take us out. But instead, we want to look at him and go, and go, how can you let that happen? There is none righteous. No, not one. We are all deserving of far worse than we get. Harris went on to say, don't, you, I don't need to be lectured on faith. I have faith. faith. Faith that good things happen and bad things happen. And it's luck of the draw, my friends. There's even a foundation now called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, we've reached this place not because, not, not because We've mistreated one group over another. We've reached the place that we're at not because we don't understand each other. We've reached this place because where there is no proclamation of the word of God, the people run amok. We've reached this place because we haven't stood on the truth and principles of the word of God enough we haven't been willing to when that one person's around us and starts talking trash. We're not willing to look at them. We ain't putting up with that. We're going to walk away. That's just the truth. And I'm every bit as guilty as, as the rest of you. Told you earlier you should write a book, right? Right? Everybody should write a book. When I sat down to write the sad confessions of a second class reverend, yes, that's when I sat down to write that, it was because I'd seen a guy named Stephen, Fur- Stephen Furtick on pul- in the pulpit cussing from the pulpit. I saw a man named Perry Noble cursing from the pulpit and justifying why he used ACDC's Highway to Hell for a Sunday morning service. Easter Sunday morning, by the way. And it occurred to me it's my fault. It was part of the youth ministry Stephen Furtick was in. It's my fault. I did not stand up and say it plainly enough. So I wrote a book about it. So, brother, I'm going to give you the book. You might not want to read it, but that's fine. It is all about being honest with yourself and with God and deciding, deciding no more for me. No more compromise. No more stepping back. No more allowing people to make outrageous statements in front of me and me not say anything. We have been silent too long. All of us, preachers, deacons, elders, people sitting in the pew, all of us have been silent too long. Now we in kindness and in love and in Desire to see people saved, need to stand up and start telling people the truth, even if they don't like us anymore. One last little story and then I'm going to be done. You will have people not like you. Yes. I got saved on February 22nd, 1988. And shortly after I got saved, we got invited to a party of Deirdre's and my high school friends. Not a reunion, just a little party. So we went there, and when you just got saved, you talk a lot about, I just got saved. Right? I wasn't witnessing to people. I was just telling them, I guess I was witnessing. I wasn't trying to lead them to Jesus. I was just, let me let me tell you, I got Jesus the other day. Oh, you know, and just talk. I, You know, y'all know, I called the radio station, asked them if they'd announce it on the radio station. They wouldn't do it. But anyway, I got so excited, and we were just talking about all that stuff right at this party. And it was a great time. We enjoyed it, you know. We didn't partake with them in certain things. It was okay. We did our thing. And then 
she gets a call from one of our friends. She says, we can't hang out with y'all anymore. So she says, naturally, why? Well, Mike is too Jesus for us. They ain't going to like you. So if you need to be liked, you need to throw everything I've said today away. Okay? But it, it's too late to sit. It's, it's, just, it's just too late to sit. We have got to stand up if we have any hope of making this country not what it was, but what God would have it be. Let's pray. Father, I pray that I haven't done too much of my own foolishness and spewing today. I pray that that you somehow, somehow have communicated truth to us all. I pray that you've gone beyond just touching hearts, but you've convinced minds of what we should do and where we should go with this. I pray for us all this week. Whatever we face, whatever mess shows up, that we confront it with grace and with dignity and kindness. But most of all, we confront it with truth. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.